0: All right, welcome into the third edition of the Undraftables podcast. Kate Carlton, Caleb Livingston here with you on a Thursday. Glad you're with us for week number three of the Undraftables podcast. Exciting show today. Have our first couple of interviews that we're going to do on the show. You'll hear from Brandon Love, who's an assistant women's basketball coach at Eastern Kentucky. Later on in the program, uh, here in about 15-20 uh, minutes or so, and then immediately following uh, Brandon Love, had a chat with Alana Eaton that uh, will play as well. So, Brandon Love, Alana Eaton coming up on the show today. Should be a good one, but first I'll welcome in my co-host, Caleb Livingston. What's
1: up? Uh, not much, man. Exciting show. Uh, got our first guests on. Um See if we're any good at this about interviewing people, and uh, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see, and we have a loyal listener, Brandon Love, who's our first guest. Yeah, and uh, and he's a fellow Arkansan. Yeah, and uh, you know he'll he'll give some good insight about you know how how they've dealt with you know this pandemic and everything going on, and talk a little basketball, and then uh, then we got the great double E on today too
0: yeah so uh fun show ahead uh obviously this is gonna kind of be uh maybe the uh platform we go to from here on out you know the first couple episodes we started off and it was an hour of us rambling it may not be an hour of us rambling anymore We're gonna be more interview based so that's probably a good thing yeah for our yeah it's sometimes. probably a good thing so maybe 20-25 minutes of us rambling every day and then we'll hop in interviews but uh we'll start out uh the show today and um uh, you know, we talked last week about sports returning. Obviously, uh, the NBA and WNBA, we talked about that last week, how they're both returning. Uh, golf is back. Uh, a lot of sports back. But, uh, you know, one thing we didn't have back uh, when we came to you last week was baseball. And earlier in this week, uh, June, the week of June 25th, uh, I guess, I don't know, Tuesday night maybe, uh, the MLB announced that they were coming back Uh, this season. 60 game season for the MLB begins around July 24th. Uh, I think 24 of the 30 teams play on July 24th and the rest start on uh, July 26th. So MLB season coming back. Um, I'm happy it's back. I would have been happier if it came back earlier, but uh, I'm happy it's back. What about you?
1: Well, for as much as we have kind of put major league baseball on blast. Yeah. The first two episodes just like all things in life it's what have you done for me lately and they're back and hey, let's go, you know. It's uh we'll definitely be watching some baseball at least until NBA starts and so maybe a week. Uh, yeah, and uh <laughs> but it gives us something to talk about. It gives something for ESPN and Fox and you know all these sports shows to kind of you know, talk about instead of why they can't agree to terms of, all right, who's going to win the World Series, who's the favorite MVP, et cetera. So, um, no, really cool. It, it it looks like, you know, here in about a month that, you know, we'll be on sports overload.
0: Yeah, and, and that's what you hope for. Um, you know, I, I, I'm excited about it, cautiously optimistic, um, because um, baseball is one of those weird deals where – I don't think 60 games is enough. Um, and people are talking about there's going to be a 400 hitter. And, I mean, there very well could be. There's been – there was a list I read this morning. There was like 80 guys that over a 60-game stretch throughout the history of the MLB, probably more than 80, have hit over 400. So it's not impossible. Um, it, it, it might be more close to likely than it is impossible. Um an ERA of like 1.2 is certainly possible with like a six and one record as a starting pitcher. So like uh, I'm under the opinion that any individual stat it from this season should be thrown out, but anything that counts toward a career record should stay. Like if Albert Pujols blasts 30 home runs in 60 games, it absolutely counts toward his quest for 700.
1: Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I agreed. If there's a 400 hitter, I can't, I don't think we can say add him to the list, you know, with Ted Williams, you know, and, or, you know, obviously nobody's going to break the home run record this year. And, um, you know, I, I think our offensive numbers are going to be really high with some of the restrictions they're going to put on pitchers, you know, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of times it takes six or seven starts for starters to kind of get their groove, you know, and, and, uh, so, it's obviously going to be some high-scoring games, which plays in Major League Baseball's favor. You know, as much as I love a one nothing game, fans, the majority of fans, love a 10-9, 10-8 with a couple three-run home runs and, you know, a lot of, a lot of you know, activity, you know, up at the plate. So, um, I don't know. I, I'm with you. I, I don't think that they need to go down the, the history books, but they should count toward their career totals. See, I'm actually – I think I'm the opposite
0: of you because I uh, I think eventually it might get to the point where, you know, it, it's an offensive show and it's, you know, hitters galore toward the end of the season. But at the start of the season, like, you're talking about guys that haven't swung a bat in a competitive game – and I'm not counting spring training – a competitive true regular season MLB or postseason MLB game since September of last year – They're swinging a bat in a competitive game for the first time since September in July. I mean, that's, what, ten, nine, ten months? So, I think maybe the first month of the season you'll see some pitchers duels. But then, you know, I'm kind of like you with all the restrictions they're placing on pitchers. You know, once, you know, batters kind of get in their element, get in a role, maybe by month two and into the postseason we'll start seeing more of those offensive firepower games.
1: Yeah, uh, and another thing I'm looking forward to is – you know a career this may this may make or break a lot of people's career that are in contract years you know like Damn. because w- how many people have we seen have like you said through 60 games they're playing at an all-star level and after the all-star break they hit a buck 30 the rest of the way and and they you never hear from them again um so it, it's going to be fun you know it's going to be fun to see how rosters are handled and situations and 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 like we talked about last week, who's going to be that team that nobody expects to be any good, that gets hot and makes a playoff run, and that if they played the full season, there's no way they'd make the playoffs, but they're going to be in contention for a World Series championship?
0: Well, I know one guy, uh, because I heard him talking about it yesterday on Sports Talk Radio, that says uh, there's a chance the Orioles could get hot in a 60-game season. Nah,
1: that's not Can you gonna guess gonna who happen. that was? I, yes, uh, that's Coach Smith. That's <laughs> not going to happen. That I mean, maybe if they brought up Blaine Knight and Heston Kurstead. Maybe. No, I'm just kidding, but uh no, come on now. The Orioles. Uh, name name four players on the Orioles, Cade. Uh um. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry Coach Smith. Like I I I understand where your love for the Orioles comes from. Back in the day, Cal Ripken. But I mean, who plays for the Orioles right now? I mean, Matt Weeders used to. I think he catches for the Cardinals, maybe now. I don't even know. Chris Davis got shipped away after he hit point ninety. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> With like Five, eighty strikeouts. Five hundred home runs and and that was his only hits. <laughs> but no, the Orioles are not making a run. Not in the not when they gotta play the Yankees and the yeah. Reds. I mean Well
0: here's 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 the number one thing. Like if you're a if you're a sports gambler, sports better, which quarantine has made me into that uh, with golf, the over under lines came out yesterday. The Yankees and the Dodgers are both thirty eight and a half games in a sixty game season. Hammer the under. Nobody's winning more than thirty five.
1: No, no, not because it never happens. I'd like to. Again, it's going to be – if there anybody is, it's going to be a sleeper. It's going to be somebody nobody expects yeah. because of that's how it usually happens. And, um, I mean, think about it. We may have – we potentially will never know, but a team that doesn't make the playoffs that people will think if they played a full season had a chance to win the whole thing, you know. So. Yeah.
0: And, and one of the things that's interesting to me too, uh, as – especially as a uh, Cubs fan – uh, which is a lineup over the years that, especially this year, if if there was a pitcher in place, I mean, you're talking about having to make the decision of substituting offense for defense with Albert Almora or Ian Happ or somebody in the outfield. But I am actually a fan of the designated hitter. It's going to be in effect for both leagues this year um, and, and next year. So you would think that that's pretty much set in stone. That's what it's going to be like for the remainder of, you know, Major League Baseball, but I'm a fan of the Destinating hitter. I'm excited to see it in action in the NL this year.
1: You know, I'm torn on it because I I grew up being a baseball fan, and pitchers hit. You know, I grew up pitching, so I I needed, I wanted to hit, but there's always a, there's a time and place for everything, and why not? You know, if it's going to make the game more exciting, obviously Major League Baseball needs to do something to get the fans back, and um, I think that's going to be a great way to increase increase scoring averages and runs, and so yeah, um, might as well. Hey, and if it doesn't work, if it if it's awful, you're only doing it for two years. You yeah, know? yeah. So you can definitely switch out
0: of that after two years. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I I'm excited to see it in action. I'm, really, I'm just like I know we have golf, but I'm excited for one of the big four sports to come oh, back yeah. and see it live. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I just that. Uh, it's been way too long. Three months has felt like, or four months, however long this has been going on, has felt like about four years, not four months. So I'm excited for that. Uh, one thing I'm not excited for is that uh, yesterday, so Wednesday, June 24th, Last Chance U announced that the new season of Last Chance U football was coming out in July, which I love. Uh, season three was phenomenal with uh, Coach Jason Brown. Um uh, if, uh,
1: Coach Brown, if you're listening, you always have an open invi- yes. invitation on this show. <laughs> we'll have to put the explicit label yes, on the show. But, but man, that it, dude is that dude is awesome. If, man. if anybody can get this message to him, get it to him, I'd love to have him on. Like, <laughs> And that's why you, to, I interrupted you, but it's going to basketball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not a fan.
0: I'm not either. And, like, me and you – I, we like basketball. Basketball is our favorite sport. Yeah. Like you're a basketball coach, I'm a basketball hoophead. Like we love basketball. But last chance, you football, especially last year. Of course, I think last year was the best season they've ever done that, or the first two at East Mississippi. But um, that's just more of a football show to me than basketball. I just don't think it's going to be as interesting for basketball.
1: Well, it, just the show dynamics, the way they've got it set up with the the lead up you know football plays 12 games you know and you're you've got the lead up to the game prep it's just a natural flow with basketball you're playing two and three times a week what kind of content are we going to get you know like how many episodes yeah i mean like you're talking about a 30 to 35 game season you know you're going to obviously have to cover more than one game an episode and then that's going to cut into what i think makes the show special is the behind the scenes look at how juco athletics work you know and I mean, some of the best moments have been the, the head football coaches or assistant football coaches in their offices just talking, you know, yeah. and, and and the locker room talks and, and and all the stuff that goes behind the scenes of that. Um, I just don't know how much we're going to see of that following a basketball team.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's kind of my thoughts on it too. I just, um, I, I just think it gets harder to cover a basketball team like that when you're playing so many games. Uh, now, granted – I mean, if it's good, I'll be the first one to say, All right, let's do it but I just think it I think it becomes harder to be to to rise to the level of the football show when you're doing basketball just because I mean it's kinda like you said, I mean last year, I mean, pretty much every episode what you were doing was, you know, outside of that first episode, what you were doing in every episode was, all right, we played last week. So, what happened to that game? Uh, we'll briefly kind of get into what happened in the game. If we didn't do it in the last episode, we'll get into game prep for this week. We'll show practices, and then we'll show the actual game. And that's awesome. Yep.
1: And, and I just
0: don't know you can do that with basketball. And
1: and, and another thing that – it's just not going to be – college football is different in college basketball in the fact that a kid might go to, let's say, Florida State. Yeah. And – not get to play in a red shirt, they'll come for one year and play at a junior college to go to a power five place again, where in college basketball, the answer is just transfer to another power five. Yeah. And so you're not going to see like, – I mean, at, at East Mississippi and at Independence, you had former five-star recruit football recruits coming back and playing junior college football. To me, that's what kind of made the show, and then you find those diamond in the roughs. That doesn't happen in basketball, you know? And so – I don't know if it's going to have the quote-unquote star power that football has, and, and so is it going to be – obviously we're going to watch it just to yeah. check it out, but I just don't see it having the same snap and pizzazz that the football had.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, and I just um, – yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you. I, of course, if it was up to me, we would just do a show about Jason Brown and what he's doing now. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> Selling the um, – I guess cover your years, selling the uh, slapdick whiskey and cigars that he's selling now (laughs) and the uh, different book appearances and, you know, all this stuff that he's doing.
1: Now, there was a rumor going around at Nettleton High School and and the offices, and I'm not going to say which one, that some other coaches here were going to get him to send a message to Coach Smith during the playoff run this year just to mess with him. Um, (laughs) You know, obviously coronavirus kind of – cut that short and stuff but how great would that have been to see coach jason brown just you know tweeting a video message to coach smith i I think we need to do that for opening night next year hey i'm all about it uh cat's out of the bag now uh that you know maybe he can talk something good about the orioles or something i don't know (laughs) because you'd have to pay somebody to talk good about the Orioles. yeah definitely definitely
0: uh, that's actually a good segue into our last and final segment before we get into your interviews with uh Brandon Love and then uh Alana Eaton immediately after that. Um, uh, but uh, you know, we introduced a couple of new segments that uh we'll try to do at least one every show. Uh, last week, in, in terms of you know kind of what's trending and what we saw on social media, and I mean, really outside of baseball, there's really it's been kind of a slow, boring, down week. Um, uh, And we talked about what we were watching, because both of us are big, you know, TV show and movie guys, Um, and for the next month until sports start back on July 24th, I mean, that's pretty much all all we're going to be doing, but um, I know you, uh, you finished a show, you're watching a show now, so tell us what you're
1: watching. So I finished uh, season four, I believe, of Queen of the South on Netflix, Uh, really great show if you're into... uh Kind of, if you've watched Narcos or El Chapo or, or something like that yeah. on Netflix, this is kind of along the same lines. Um, you know, w- they moved to they moved this season to New Orleans, um, and uh, really just you know easy watch. Yeah, I think twelve episodes, something like that, maybe a little more. Um, got to finish that up, get caught up on that, and then uh, I was turned on to a show on Showtime called The Shy which takes place on the south side of Chicago follows really it follows like three different kind of families and that don't know each other yeah. and end up through some some happenings they cross each other's paths and it's really good you know especially during this time of what's going on in our country with the 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 protest and social injustice and and the black lives matter it really gives you a look into you know kind of some of those issues that that come up uh, and so, uh, started that, still in season one. Um, I recommend it. Like, it's it's really good. I think there's three seasons of it. Yeah. So, uh, really easy watch. Hour episodes, um, you know, got really good acting and, and, and screenplay and story writing and stuff. Uh, so, I
0: had two things. Uh, one was a movie. One was a TV show. So, I uh, I don't remember if I rented it on Amazon or if I watched it on TV. But it was sometime this weekend. I caught uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. I love that movie. That's like, that might be, that's top five favorite movie ever for me. That's my favorite superhero movie ever. I love that movie. Because, you know, that's what I kind of grew up on. One of the first movies I ever saw in theaters was Spider-Man, you know, which was in 2003, coming off, you know, the 9-11 stuff. Uh, And then Spider-Man 2 is just phenomenal. So that's one I watched. Um, And then I talked about it last week, I think, I think when we did this last week, I might have been in, like, season two of Boy Meets World, and I'm, I guess, about five episodes away from being done with season four now. There we go. So, I've been powering through on that. Man, that show is so good. I forgot how good it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, because it was it, one of those deals where, like, I watched it, I guess it was 2012, 2013, and so, you know, I grew up watching on ABC Family on reruns, so that's what I watched, you know, for a couple of summers there um i just watch all the reruns so i pretty much watched it through that and then you know for christmas one year i got the box set and so i binged through the box set and then after i got done with it they stopped showing it on tv so like i haven't seen an episode of the show in seven or eight years right and i just i forgot how good it was yeah
1: no like like we talked about last week it's uh a if you have, if you grew up during that era, you agree with us. It's a great show. Yeah, even if you didn't grow up in yeah. that era, you still need to watch it. If you have kids, like it's a kid friendly show. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they'll love it. Like they'll they'll be like, yeah, I, I went through that. I
0: understand that. Yeah. You know, so Disney Plus, man, Disney Plus has some absolute heat on there. I I, I don't have Disney Plus. I guess oh, I'm gonna man. have to look Disney good. Plus. Uh, so you got Boy Meets World. Uh, remember the Titans is on there. Um you have a bunch of these Marvel movies like Ant Man, Captain America, and a bunch of the Marvel movies are on there. They're starting all these original series like Disney Plus for it being five bucks a month or whatever it is, it's a pretty good deal because there's a lot of good movies and TV shows on there.
1: Right. No, I'll I'll definitely have to look into it because, you know, eventually you run out of stuff to watch on Netflix and then Amazon yeah. Prime and and so um yeah, I will uh once I'm kinda searching for things to watch i might have to hit up disney plus i think so.
0: at this point i've tried every streaming conglomerate out except for
1: hbo max I, I haven't tried it yet i've done that because i've watched some some shows on hbo so yeah um but no I, I i've done everything too and probably more than once you know i know i've had gone back and renewed netflix you know yeah and stuff so but uh no um looking forward to the the interviews we got coming up next week. I think we're going to run a little early next week. Yeah. Uh, Cause I'm somebody's going to the beach.
0: Yeah. Somebody's going to be out of town next week. I don't know who, which one of us it is, but yeah. somebody's going to be out of town. So I think, uh, next week we're going to tape on Monday, maybe have that out, um, Monday or Tuesday. I don't know. We might hold it till Thursday, who uh. knows, but we'll, we'll make a game time decision on that next week. So it could be earlier, uh, next week, Monday or Tuesday one, but, um, Yeah, should have an interview lined up next Monday, hopefully. So, hopefully, another good show next Monday.
1: Yeah, it's been fun. And uh, we appreciate our listeners. Like I said, like Cade said early on, we've got one of our loyal two week listeners on next as a guest and Coach Brandon Love. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, I think it's going to be a great interview. And, We plan on having some really good guests on in the future. Yep,
0: hopefully so. So uh, without further ado, this is uh, the interview with uh, Brandon Love, the Eastern Kentucky assistant uh, women's basketball coach. All right, so we welcome you back to uh, the Undraftables podcast. And uh, for the first time in our show, we're going to have an interview with uh, Brandon Love, who is an assistant women's basketball coach at Eastern Kentucky. Brandon, welcome on.
2: Thanks. I feel right at home with this podcast being called The Undraftable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we we thought it was a fitting name uh, for me and Caleb. But, uh, you know, we we appreciate you uh, coming on. And obviously, you know, you're on because uh, you and Caleb kind of go back. And I figured, you know, you and Caleb both can kind of tell the story of how you guys met and linked up and, uh, you know, are friends today.
1: Yeah. um, you know, I I met Brandon. We were both coaching uh, girls' travel basketball. Um, you know, if anybody's done any kind of travel basketball, they know the uh, the grind that goes with that. And and Brandon was training some of the top kids, not only uh, boys in the state but girls. And and then uh, next thing I know, he's out at Pacific in California as an assistant coach and video guy out there. And um, and and then he calls me. He's like, "Hey, I'm going to East Kentucky. I'm going to be recruiting Arkansas kids, you know." And Brandon's from Osceola, um, so he's a we'll call him a Northeast Arkansas boy, you know. And uh, where the where we claim the best basketball in Arkansas play, yeah, no doubt. So, but uh, you know, uh, you know, Brandon, just give us a little bit, you know, you know, playing at at Osceola, and then you know, you went to Vanderbilt, kind of just that experience. And how do you end up at Vanderbilt?
2: Uh, so I, did, I grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas. I attended Little Rock Central High School, uh, played basketball there. I um, wanted to go to college at a place where not all of my classmates were going. And it seemed like everybody that I knew was going to Arkansas. So um, I, I applied to Hendricks and got in Hendricks and went to Hendrix, and really wanted to go to Vanderbilt. Uh, long story short... Uh, I wrote an essay my senior year of high school and was featured in an HBO special and as a result the only college that I got into was Hendrix. Um, We can go into that later if you want but ended up going to Hendrix always wanted to go to Vandy so after a year at Hendrix I transferred to Vandy and never looked back.
0: So yeah and I want to kind of go into that so you know, you're know, you at Hendrix for the year. You go to Vandy. Um, what? How were you able to get to Vandy and kind of get in the position you were in after that one year at Hendrix?
2: Man, so I I was huge on Vandy coming out of high school or in high school. My senior year, I was close to the admissions counselors. I had a couple of friends that went to Vandy, and I was in a program that pushed um, some students to Vanderbilt or different prominent schools around the country. And um like i said after i wrote this essay and was featured in an hbo special um i didn't get into any colleges except Hendrix, and i just kind of kept in touch with the people at vanderbilt and so throughout my tenure at hendrix um just stayed in touch with some people and i got a phone call one day saying that i had gotten in and packed my bags and i went to vanderbilt
1: so while you're at vanderbilt um You spent, what, three years as a student manager for the women's team there?
2: Yep, I spent three years as a women's manager for Melanie Balcom. And um, I felt like it was almost fate. Um, I kind of got into women's basketball because I have a younger sister. So I coached my younger sister's team as a junior in high school and as a senior in high school. And uh, when I got to Vanderbilt, I wanted to be a manager for the men's team but the men's team was full of managers. So they sent me across the hall to the women's team. And the women's team was looking for managers. They allowed me to be a manager. They gave me a lot of roles and responsibilities. And from then on, I've been on the women's side.
0: So this was this was kind of a deal for you where, you know, maybe you wanted to start out as men's, but then you kind of got the women's experience and you were like, hey, you know, this, I kind of like this too.
2: Yeah. So, um I played D3 basketball at Hendrix for the year that I was there. And, I mean, being a male, I didn't really know that, you know, men crossed over nearly as much. Um, And so, when the opportunity presented itself, it just felt like it was right since I had kind of already been coaching girls basketball and knew some of the
1: girls on the team. So, while you're at Vanderbilt, they – you went to the NCAA tournament three times. uh, I mean – I can probably
2: take credit for all of that. Yeah, you know, that was probably all me.
1: <laughs> well, well, looking um, at it, I mean, they've only made three appearances since you left. I mean, so it, it, it was all it was all Coach Brandon Love.
2: <laughs> it had to be. Oh man, I actually worked for <laughs> some great people when I was at Vanderbilt, um, and it blew my mind offensively. Like, I think I became a much better player and coach after being around the program. Um, Melanie Balcom was a genius offensively. I mean, like blew my mind to go to practice every single day and learn some of the stuff that I learned offensively. Uh, Vicky Pickett was amazing in the post. I mean, would teach me to post, and you know, I have no business posting, but I learned being around her. And Tom Garrick really made me um, know that I could coach women's basketball um, as as a guy, or being um a guy on the woman's side. He really, like, mentored me and allowed me to learn and be under his tutelage uh, during my tenure there.
0: You know, we're going to get into, you know, you're at Eastern Kentucky now, so obviously we're going to get into Eastern Kentucky and kind of your first year uh, in that program. But, you know, I want to kind of come back home to Arkansas and, you know, you're – you're training, uh, you know, all these athletes, uh, most notably, um, you know, Malik Monk, uh, through your AR Amateur Basketball Foundation. Just, um, you know, w- with Malik, uh, just I know he had a great work, work ethic, but uh, you know, what kind of stood out to you with him, you know, because he was one of those guys where every move he made got documented in some way.
3: Yeah,
2: Malik was different, and, and Malik taught me more than I could ever teach Malik. So it started off just kind of me being around markets and markets, you know, handling things. And then um, Malik would come through from time to time, and I'd just be able to be around him. And I ended up learning so much more from him than I could ever teach him. You know, uh, anything that he taught me, I could take to somebody else. Um, so, like, he would take me to – I went to Vegas with him for LeBron James's camp. And then you know he comes off the court and he's teaching you everything that he's learning there. And then you can, in turn, teach that to other people. Um, he took me to the Jordan Brand game um, in New York City or in Brooklyn. Um, and again, like it's just everything that he learned, he taught me. And so um, it's kind of weird to say that that I I did all of that, but or that I did any of that because I felt like a lot of that was it was him.
1: Right, and, and it's, it's really neat because you've both kind of got a little bit of the same background story with, you know, you, you growing up in OCL and going to school in Little Rock. He obviously grows up in Lepanto uh, in the woods, as they call it, and transfers to Bentonville. And I'm sure that there was some kind of connection there that uh, made him even trust you more and, and trust what you were doing with him, uh, you know, to make him a better player.
2: Man, so the way I really even got in with Malik was I have an older cousin who's the same class as as Marcus at Lepanto. And so I would go up there and spend time with my cousin, and then I got in with Marcus, and then I would always see them, and I would always hang out with them. And, you know, in Northeast Arkansas, pretty much everybody's family, if you're close. Uh, and so that's kind of how when Malik made the move to Northwest Arkansas, um I
1: had an in, so kind of a little side uh, comment on that. Has there been more talent out of the Lepanto Wilson Osceola blaville area, Four city in the from two thousand to present day? I mean, like I, you'd almost put that up against anybody you know in the country and and it's guys that you know if you're in Arkansas, you know about them, but maybe not made it for because of their situation, but how crazy is the talent over in that area?
2: Man, it, it's wild. And growing up and going to other places or being in California, nobody really understands uh, what it's like. I mean, like when you go to when you're in California, yeah, L.A. is nice, but L.A. and L.A. puts out a lot of talent. But L.A. isn't northeast Arkansas or Arkansas at all, for that matter. So when you can talk about these little pockets and all of the talent that's able to come out of these pockets, it's its unbelievable.
0: And, you know, you started in skill development. So as someone who started in skill development, how, how do you think that kind of improved you as a coach and made you ready to take on the challenge, you know, of going to the college level? Being a skill
2: developer really, um, I really think, enhanced me being a coach because um, I had to teach it from the bottom up. So I started with my sister's younger team, and it started, nobody had any skills. So in growing that skill or in teaching them skills, I was teaching myself. And so um, I think that from a really early age, I was able to uh, kind of develop an eye for a talent and subtle nuances like in their games as they grew up. And I think that only helped me um, as I started to work with
1: more talented players. So, you're, you're, you're training all these elite players, and, and, and it's obvious, you know, we, we didn't even touch on Peyton Willis, who, you know, was one of the best players to come out of Fayetteville during this century, if not all time. Um, you're working with, you know, some of the top girls in the area. When did that – when did you get the itch again to, to get back into college coaching? Because being at Vanderbilt, I'm sure – you, you maybe you, you know, did you want to do that after you got out of Vanderbilt or what made you like not do it right after and then get the itch again?
2: Man, so as soon as I moved out of, or after I graduated from Vanderbilt, I spent some time in Little Rock like searching, had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and I ended up moving to Northwest Arkansas. I spent some time, I spent probably eight months in Northwest Arkansas just kind of finding my own way. Um, and then Keith Crawford, uh, found me and Keith asked me to help train his team. And so these were boys. These were the wings. And, um, I worked with the wings that summer. And then I got a phone call from Lauren Sumsky, who is now the head coach at Lipscomb. And Lauren was a junior at, um, Rhodes College of Memphis. And Lauren was like, Hey, we need an assistant. Like, would you come? So I moved to Memphis. I coached Rose women's basketball, or I'm assistant at Rose for uh, a year. And we set every record in the book. We go 25-4. and four, We make the NCAA tournament, and it was a blast. Well, Keith Crawford calls me back and says, look, I need you here. And so Keith basically paid for me to come back and put together a gym for me and said, look, I just need you to train my guys. And – Look, here's a gym you can do whatever you want with the gym in the free time so um training 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 I trained for about five years out there And like you said I had, I had some pretty good players come through but the more I watched the game and watched film I just got the itch um and then I think that trainers get a bad look sometimes people think you don't know your x's and o's or anything like that and I would just watch and I, I mean I wanted to be back out there and so I coached youth girls' teams and really enjoyed that, but then I wanted more. And the opportunity presented itself for me to get back in the game, and I took it.
0: So you're at, you know, Eastern Kentucky now as an assistant coach, uh, you know, with Coach Sam there. Just uh, what was it about Eastern Kentucky that kind of drew you there and you kind of realized, hey, this is the right spot for me?
2: It was it was actually Sam. Uh, was Sam's resume – uh, having been at DePaul, having been at Duke, having been at Louisville, I knew that she was somebody that could mentor me uh, and talk to me from a bunch of different perspectives. Um, like Duke being high academic, Louisville being a perennial Final Four team, um, I just felt like being under her would really give me the opportunity to grow and pursue my aspirations. Yeah, I mean, so when she gave me a call, it was
1: a no-brainer. Right. I mean, and Sam, you know, helped, you know, recently helped uh, Coach Jeff Walls at Louisville kind of turn that into a monster, and uh, you know, I, you and I talk all the time, it, it's just a matter of time before Sam and, and y'all staff really get that turned around at Eastern Kentucky into becoming a contender in the OVC, and then you never know from there, you know, uh, where somebody like Sam could end up, you know, she may end up in the SEC or, you know, somewhere big, and, and you've got that experience with her and and, and her as a mentor. Um, how important is it for you being from Arkansas? Obviously, we can't name specific kids, but for you to come back and recruit the state of Arkansas?
2: That is – that's probably the highlight of the job. Um, Or having had a skills background in Arkansas and kind of knowing those players and knowing them from the time they were in grade school and being able to actually come back and say, like, look, like, this is, you know – this is real. Like you know, we talked about this when you were younger, and now here's the opportunity for you, for me, or someone else to actually offer you a basketball scholarship. Um, like the SEC says, it just means more. I would say that anybody that can tell that story, uh, working with players, leaving, and then having the opportunity to offer them a scholarship, it just means more.
1: Right, and and you know, you've like you said, well, you're out at Pacific before Eastern Kentucky. You've been. You know, you've seen the best of the best, like traveling with Malik, working with the Wings. Talk about, um, you know, nationally, Arkansas, I don't know if they have a bad rep, but it's kind of like nobody understands how good Arkansas basketball is at the grassroots level on boys and girls because we're not a big state. There's not a lot of population, but, you know, per capita, I mean, it's right up there with with anybody, you know, and um, – is that something that you've noticed traveling as well, or, or is that something that maybe I'm overstating just because I'm biased to it?
2: No, I completely agree. I think a lot of it has to do with exposure. Um, I think part of it is that talent in Arkansas can easily be picked and taken uh, to surrounding states, um, and then you just don't quite notice that that's an Arkansas guy um, or an Arkansas girl playing for another team. Um But I think that with the rise of the University of Arkansas and how my neighbors is really making it a thing to, like, be able to go to Arkansas, um, and with Musselman's latest recruiting class, I think that Arkansas um, youth basketball and grassroots basketball will start to um, really get the notoriety that it deserves.
0: You know, I want to kind of shift gears here, too, because – you know, we're, we're in kind of crazy times, uh, you know, obviously with, you know, all the coronavirus stuff um, for you, uh, you know, as an assistant uh, basketball coach at the collegiate level, um, obviously just within the past, you know, three, four weeks, the NCAA has approved for, you know, players to get back on campus uh you know, for workouts, just what has that kind of been like for you guys having to follow all of those protocols and having to, you know, try and ensure that everyone on your team is safe and doesn't test positive for this virus?
3: Man,
2: it's been the absolute scariest thing um that I've gone through uh, in my lifetime. Um, because you don't know. Nobody knows, you know, and then for the girls that are back in in the city, you know, and they know that they have you know, workouts coming up or they have conditioning tests coming up. Can you come and condition with me? And it's like, look, I don't really know, you know, what that looks like. I don't know if I don't, I don't know, you know, and then, I mean, who? none of us have ever really coached in a basketball world where you can't give a high five um, or where you can't really stand in proximity of the people that you're coaching or that you, you know, or when you have to wear a mask when coaching. So, I mean, everything has just been completely different. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how things are moving forward.
1: Yeah, you know, we've dealt with it. We entered week four this week in in Arkansas of high school uh, sports, being able to uh, have limited practice. And and it's different. It's, you know, coaches are wearing masks. We can't, you know, have – we can't play defense on each other. Um, Y'all haven't even been able to really work with your kids as far as basketball skill. Um, uh, What is it, July 25th or something like that? Uh, You know, it's been important for the kids that love the game, they're going to come back ready. Um, How Do you feel like you're behind with your team? But in in the same sense, you're in the same boat everybody else is. But what's going to be y'all's focus when you get back on that first day where – y'all can have individual workouts like because y'all were y- y'all had a, a better y'all won more games this year than you did the previous year and you know and you're building some momentum had a good recruiting class you're recruiting some really good younger players and and then all this happens it kind of comes to a, to a halt uh how do y'all get the momentum back going again to where people are excited about eastern kentucky basketball
2: Yeah. So I, I I mean, I think we ended last season with a ton of momentum. Um, we were tied for one of the biggest turnarounds in the country, uh, with 11 wins, uh, 11 more wins than we had our previous season. Uh, when it comes to being behind, I don't know how much I think we'll really be, uh, behind. Um, I think back on like my D3 days and in D3, you couldn't start until, you know, a certain date anyway, like there were no summer workouts. Um, so part of me is just like, you know, it'll be kind of like coaching D3 again in that, you know, you you have a certain start date and you can't really start before that date and everything has to be done before the end. No summer access. Uh, when our girls do get back though, I think the emphasis will really be on the girls' chemistry because we do have so many newcomers. We have seven newcomers. Um, some will be international. Some will be um, from the state of Kentucky. Uh, some will be from other parts of the country. I think that really meshing those girls with the returners will be an important part of where we go, trying to get everybody back on campus. Um, and then from there, I mean, we'll get to it. I think we'll evaluate, you know, what what needs to be done, and we'll make it happen. And you
0: know, for you, as you know, a, a basketball guy, um, and obviously. You know, I think I've heard a lot of basketball coaches say they wouldn't want to be in the shoes of the fall sports like football or volleyball or whatever, where there's so much uncertainty about, you know, whether or not those seasons can go down at all. But, you know, uh, as a basketball coach, I kind of want to get your thoughts on what we're about to see in the next month or so, uh, the WNBA restarting in a bubble down in Florida and the NBA, you know, finishing out their season in a bubble down in Florida and just You know, if those go over well, just how much that would help you guys, you know, get your season started on time next year?
2: Uh, Man, I I think that it's – I have no clue what it's going to look like. Um, I mean, granted, the NBA has so many resources, um, and they're able to put everybody in one place for this. Um, But colleges obviously aren't afforded that luxury. So as it goes forward, and, you know, NBA, WNBA, or anything like that, I and uh, no clue. No clue. Wish us luck.
1: Right, and you know, and we're dealing with that at the high school level too. You know, we've we've got all these different scenarios we've talked about that nobody knows because we haven't dealt with it. Um, how much are you looking forward to actually seeing some basketball on TV again, though? Like that's that's oh exciting for all of us.
2: Man, I'd be happy to just be able to go to a gym. And, and get some shots <laughs> or lift some weights or something man i can't imagine the way i'm going to feel when when basketball gets back on tv i think i mean you think about the effect the last dance had when it was on and that was when this first when this thing was you know first hitting you know now people still haven't seen sports in a while yeah i think i think those first couple of weeks of sports being back are going to be absolutely nuts
0: you know, and I want to touch on, you know, something else, too, before, you know, we let you get out of here. And obviously, uh, you know, the, the coronavirus has been a big story in the United States. But uh, over the last month or so, you know, um, you know, kind of what happened in Minnesota has, has been an even bigger story. And just, you know, all the protests that, you know, erupted from that. And, you know, so many things in the country are changing, and it's a good thing. But, uh, you know, for you and for your team, just uh, – You know, what have the conversations been like with your players over the course of the last month about everything that's, you know, kind of going on in the country?
2: Man, so um, being in Kentucky and having um, Breonna Taylor murdered in Louisville has been a big point of contention for our girls because it's so close to them. We have girls from Louisville. um, We have girls from Kentucky. We have girls that are that feel like they felt that um, because they're in the city. Um, actual protests are going on there. Um, I think it's been really eye-opening for anyone that hasn't had to deal with this uh, or had to live part of this reality on our team. Uh, But our conversations, I'll say, have been deep. Um, The girls have had the opportunity to really vent and kind of say things that they feel. Um, And as coaches, I think a lot of times we learn from them more than we can teach them. And so... I think that even their courage is teaching us at this point kind of some of the ways that we should go and handle them this year. And, you know, when it comes to giving them space or allowing them to feel the way they feel should sure yeah. have been different, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, no, this is an important time in our country and, and, I, we talk all the time and being a coach, there's no better. We have as we have influence, you know, over our kids and over the situation. And, you know, I know I know, I take it as a very important job, and I know you do too, knowing you like I do, that we have a responsibility to do our part as well. You know, we can't sit on the sidelines and, and let everybody else do it. And, um, you know, and that's what I really like about the coaching community is we all band together and and try to help as many kids as possible. And, and, and in this situation, I mean, talk about how important it is as – as a coaching community that we, we come together and help try to be a part of the solution.
2: Man, now more than ever, you're getting to see what it's really like, uh, because we always talk about player development. Uh, and I think more so now it's about person development. And I think a lot of programs when they're trying to sell you will say, Oh, we want to develop your full person. or We want to, you know, we want to talk about who we can help you become off of the court. But now is the time that that's, I think that in the past when basketball can go on, like, you know, they may get glossed over, but now the world has stopped. You're not getting that. Like you have to cater to that part of your players if you aren't. And they're noticing if you aren't. Um, So I think that it's really – or it's really allowed coaches to really step back and reflect on the way that they kind of talk to their players and things that they talk to their players about and helping their players work through some of this, you know, um, we're really granted the opportunity now to be relational you know we have to care about them from the inside out um, and we have to be consistent with that care uh, so
0: Brandon I appreciate you taking the time uh, this afternoon I know it was fun to catch up with you for for my sake and for uh, Caleb's sake and thanks for uh, being the first guest on our podcast this afternoon
2: man I I am honored to be the first the first guest on your podcast um that means that i am truly undraftable uh
0: so <laughs> i do appreciate it
1: man we appreciate it
0: that was brandon man, love have a good that was brandon too, love joining us this afternoon thanks to uh brandon love for hopping on um obviously you know it's nice to do a podcast with somebody who has so many connections and basketball women's basketball in particular like uh Coach Livingston over here does. Uh, I know him and Brandon go back a while, and Brandon, that's some pretty good stuff.
1: You won't find a better guy. You know, he uh, he genuinely cares about his kids, that he coaches, that he recruits. He, he's all about relationships, and that's what it takes to, to be a successful college basketball coach. He's always wanting to learn, and, and it's always it's always fun to help a uh, uh, fellow Arkansan out, you know, and, and help promote his program, and, um, you know, w- w- what a fun interview.
0: Yeah, uh, thanks, Tim, for hopping on. Uh, Alana Eaton is coming up next. Uh, she was actually in studio with us, and, uh, you know, uh, both of us could spend a lot of time talking about her. Obviously, you as someone who coached her, me who's as someone who's been around her and, you know, broadcasted her games for the last two years. But, uh, you know, uh, couldn't find a better kid than Alana, and, you know, Coach Neighbors up the hill in Arkansas is obviously getting a great get with her.
1: Oh, yeah, you know, and, and- – and, and, like we'll discuss with Ilana, you know, she's she's probably one of the most misunderstood kids. You know, all she wants to do is hoop and work, you know, and, and, uh, you know, she, she's had the spotlight on her. And, and, you know, I'm looking forward to asking her about that and, and getting her take on that. And, uh, you know, I know Coach Neighbors is excited to get, him, get her up there. We, we hate to see her leave, you know. Yeah, uh, no doubt. But, uh, you know, like, we're looking forward to it. You know, she's going to have a great impact up there at Arkansas and uh, like she did here.
0: So, here it is, uh, Alana Eaton, state champion for the Nettleton Lady Raiders and five-star Razorback signee will begin her freshman tenure at Arkansas next year. All right, we're you back in uh, the Undraftables podcast as we're now joined alongside uh, state champion and – About to be Lady Razorback Alana Eaton. She's about a month out from uh, going to Fayetteville to begin her collegiate basketball career. Alana, thanks for uh, hopping on with us this afternoon.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: Well, uh, I know we got a lot to get into. um, You know, and and I want to start first with um, you know just kind of what. What's well, kind of gone down the last few months. Um, you know, your team, Nettleton, was in a spot where you were getting set to play in the state championship game. Um, coronavirus hits um, on a Thursday. They postpone it. It eventually gets canceled. Uh, over the course of the last, you know, couple of months, what has it been like for you knowing that, you know, you didn't get that final high school game as a Lady Raider?
3: we accepted uh the championship and we just kept moving forward as far as life for me I've just been working out getting prepared for the next level
1: yeah you know it was uh very uh very tough to go through that first couple weeks you know but uh when we found out you know that we were going to be state champions how did that feel for you
3: it was a great feeling I know that uh If I'm not mistaken, the Lady Raiders haven't ever won a championship. Have not, no. So, um, it was especially for the seniors, not just myself, uh, just to leave that mark and just have that mark in history forever. It's a great feeling. So, uh, yeah. You
1: you know, piggybacking on that, um, your first year here, which was my first year as well, we go into the season probably as the favorites, you know, and lose a heartbreaker to Little Rock Christian. We lose a lot of kids. And – we all heard the noise outside of, you know, our office and our locker room of, ah, they can't do it again. How much did that motivate you to, one, become a better player, but two, also become, you were the leader. You know, you came into a situation where we had seniors with Maya and Deja Nini, Nene, and now here you are. You're one of the best players in the country. You're a senior. We're looking to you. Where do you feel like you got the best, Not not even on the court, but off the court? you know, in in leadership?
3: Just being very vocal. um, Learning how to control my attitude it's not about like what you say, it's about how you say it. And just talking about last year, the way that we lost that game, it was actually um, Kay's father, Mr. Carlson. Everyone's crying. Everyone's upset. He grabbed me after I walked out the door, and he just told me to remember this feeling. So we back, went back into the state championship game. We were winning games, but we still weren't where we wanted to be. Even after we beat Mount Home, it still it wasn't a celebration for me. Like it was, it was a good feeling, but um, we weren't done yet. Yeah, you know,
1: me being in that locker room too, and Cade, you know, Cade was around it. It, it was it, the whole year felt like it was like business, you know, yeah. like it wasn't something that, you know, we're supposed to win, you know, it's what we, it's kind of what we do here, you know, and, um, you know, we, we had a move in and Briley and, you know, Tylie gets hurt and all that. How, how were you able to, you know, with Trey and Daly kind of continue to, Hey, we're going to business as usual, you know, show up every day. And, you know, it, it seemed pretty, People on the outside probably th- thought it was easy, but it's never easy playing in our conference against the, our non-conference schedule. Um, you know, were there challenges, or or did you feel like the whole team was bought in, you know, from day one?
3: For the most part, we were all bought in. Uh, there were times, you know, sometimes people come into practice, they're not as up to tempo as they usually are. That's where the teammates stepped in, I feel like. Our teammates, the whole team, everyone stepped in when others were feeling down in order to uplift other teammates. So I feel like we had each other. We genuinely had each other's back. We genuinely confided in each other. We genuinely trusted each other to lead one another, not just one individual running the whole pack. We were like a team.
0: You know, and I want to go back, um, you know, because when when me and Coach Livingston and Coach Huggins did our, you know, end of the year wrap-up podcast, you know, one of the things we spent a lot of time on was – you know you guys get out to this huge start you know you're zero, eight eight no whatever you are you're grade 8 champions you're going into Paragool with some some momentum you're ranked top 50 in the state or top 50 in the country number one in the state um, and you get you know you got to kind of get punched to the mouth by Batesville um, after that Batesville game what kind of changed for your team in terms of just attitude how you carried yourselves how you went into every game
3: I think that was the best thing that could ever happen to us. I mean, we wish it didn't happen to us, but uh, I felt sometimes we thought we weren't beatable or untouchable. So, I feel like we need some of those games. We don't want them. It's not something that we ask for. It's not something that we intentionally do. But sometimes you just need that to refocus you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was a turning point in our season, I really think. And, and from there on out, you know, playing playing a tough conference schedule. You know, we, we have the, the maybe the toughest league in the state and in our state tournament run. Um, the last, we, everybody remembers you, of we'll call it pre-quarantine Ilona Eaton. During this 12 weeks, and then we've been able to get back in the gym, where have you th- think you've improved the most, you know?
3: Strengthening, um, just being strong. I think on ball handling has gotten a lot sharper. Um, just practicing repetition, just being consistent, going to the gym, working every day, because you know, um, going into a new level, college, uh, everyone's good, you just got to find a way to separate yourself. And not just college,
1: you're talking about the SEC, yeah. you know, the, the best league in the country, and um, what are you looking forward to playing with Coach Neighbors the most? Like, he, it's obvious, like uh, you know, he's going to shoot a lot of threes, and that fits your game, yeah. you know, he's going to play fast, like we tried to do here, but you know why coach neighbors why what makes you fit with him to where i think there's no doubt as long as you keep working and we know you are like you're going to be successful you know like he's going to put you in spots to be successful like what attracts you to coach neighbors and his style
3: i just feel like we got a great understanding of each other i mean i feel like it's business for him mostly but uh i just feel like that he genuinely cares he um We call, and we sometimes don't even talk about basketball. He just calls and checks up. I just feel like it's just a lot of genuine love there. And uh, as long as you're going hard for me, I'll go hard for you.
0: You know, and going to a program like Arkansas that, you know, is really kind of starting to build up. uh, They were in the top 25 at times last year. Uh, You know, you're going to have a marquee game this year against Baylor at Bud Walton Arena, a former national champion. Just, uh, you know, this program – it being on the rise like it is, and then obviously have a lot of great recruits coming in. Just how excited are you to get to play, you know, with some of the recruits he has coming in?
3: It's a very exciting feeling. Uh, I'm ready to get on the hill and just meet all my teammates, start building chemistry, start building relationships early so that uh, it's easier for us on the court.
1: All right, moving off the court, what's the one thing you're going to miss about Jonesboro, Arkansas? Mama? (laughs)
3: My mom's coming with me.
1: Well, that answers that question. So, what like wh- what are you going to miss about this area? Because you've spent, what, the last four years, five years here?
3: Well, I'm probably going to miss, like, Nettleton's support. Like, the, at the games, uh, our games were never really empty, not at home. I'm going to miss the support of the Nettleton fans.
1: What are you looking forward to the most living in Fayetteville?
3: Getting to work. I mean, um, Fayetteville is not a play spot for me. It's just a gym. The next spot, huh? Yeah.
1: The next spot on the Alana Eaton tour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, ultimately, uh, you know, you have four years coming up at Arkansas, and, you know, ultimately you want to be a star there, but – what? We, once you get to Arkansas, like, what are your plans? Do you want to continue playing basketball? Do you want to, you know, go to school and then do something else whenever you get done? What are your plans after you leave Arkansas, or do you have any right now?
3: I plan to be in the 2024 draft.
1: All right. I can see it. Like, yeah. that, that's one thing about E that if she puts her mind to it, we know she's going to work. Like, right now, she's going through three a days, what, six days a week, seven days a week? I mean, when's the last time you took a day off and didn't do anything? It's been a minute. It's been a minute. I mean, like and we know she's going to work, you know, and that's and she's going to go play for a, a coach and a coaching staff that's going to put her in a position to be successful. Um speaking of coaching staff, I know you really respect Coach Smith. What tell us what he meant to you when when you moved over as a junior and whole new school, whole new system, you hadn't you played against Nettleton, but you probably didn't know the the workings behind the scenes. What What does he mean to you, and how did he help you become a better player?
3: Well, um, before I moved here, I had heard bad things about Coach Jason, but that goes to show that you should get to know a person for yourself instead of judging them off for what others say. So I feel like that Coach Jason really saved my high school career. Um, 10th grade, my confidence took a shot. I mean, it's no shade to anybody, but it's just what it is. Um, he get, he had confidence in me. He trusted me, and he put the ball in my hands at crunch time. And so I'll forever be grateful for him. He helped me be a better player. He helped me mentally more than anything.
1: And it's, fun, it's so funny how this has worked out today. We had uh, uh, Coach Brandon Love on before from Eastern Kentucky, and, uh, you know, he trained Sasha growing up and before he got into the college game, and, we always talked about the big three in Arkansas in the 2020 class, Alana, destiny and Sasha, y'all are friends, you know, y'all are competitors. And somebody asked me like, you know, what, what has separated them? And, and I really feel like in the last two years, obviously I'm biased cause I've been here too, but I know every day what you've been through. And I think that's really pushed you even more on top of what you were doing, you know, yourself, you know, and, and, uh, my last question is, you most most athletes, basketball players, in, of your stature, have trained with four or five different trainers. You've trained with your dad, and that's it. Talk about that relationship and how special that's been, and how he has pushed you to become the player you you are today.
3: Uh, I come from a basketball family, so it was just me and my family growing up playing basketball we played against each other things of that nature so when we got in the gym and started working out in helena my dad was uh, initially working us out i trusted my dad i trusted what he was doing with my game and um it worked so it was no need to fix what wasn't broken
0: you know i want to talk a little bit about this year too because it it was obviously special Um, you know last year you know we we kind of talked about it you know you you lost before you wanted to. You know, you lose to Little Rock Christian in the state quarters. Uh, what was what was different about this team this year? You know, to where you finally got over that hump and you get to the state championship game after beating Mountain Home.
3: Honestly, I just think being the underdog. Uh, I saw something different in Trevor this year. I saw something different in Daly this year. I saw something different in Waukeer this year. It's like the disrespect is what motivated us. I think we needed that title. We needed the underdog title. We didn't, we didn't have a bunch of Dejas and Mayas. We didn't have those kids last year that went on to D1 programs. We you know, had a few kids that were good. And so I think people doubted us. I think people overlooked us. And I think people just didn't think that we were gonna be state champions this year.
0: When you look back, and obviously there's a lot of good memories, obviously Mountain Home probably stands at the top, but you know, when you look back on this season, on your Nettleton career, what are going to be some of the things, some of the memories, games, just whatever that are going to stand out to you over the course of the next few years?
3: Um, No game stands out to me. I think the most that stood out to me was the Christmas party with Coach Jason. So um, I think that was pretty nice of him. I mean, he did it last year for us, but I've never seen a coach that just invites you into their own home. It is very welcoming, things like that. Going to miss the energy bites. The energy bites. <laughs> yeah.
1: My my favorite, and it's not a moment, it's just Elana thinks she can score every time down the floor, and that's a good thing, you know. And it's so funny to watch when somebody else scores and she's open she still thinks the ball goes th- should go through her and that, like that's a, that's that killer mentality we we talk all the time in this office about mama mentality Your coach bought you the book and that's what she she's a killer you know like she she thinks that it doesn't matter who you put in front of her she's gonna she's gonna drop 40 on their head and she's gonna do it you know and i know this I, like you've grown so much in 2 years i, I know you've seen it um you, and you really you give the appearance that you're just gonna business. You know you're gonna take care of your business. You're gonna work. Let people think what they think of you because you know you're doing what you need to do. How how has it been? You I mean you've been in the spotlight since seventh eighth grade, right? You know got, got your first offer when you were what, thirteen, something like that. You know, and it was an SEC offer. You know, and and so you went through four or five years of just every move. Was put out there on social media, good or bad. You know, how 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 lucky were you to have the support system at home to kind of shield you from that and just let you work on being the best basketball player you could be.
3: Um, it, I'm very blessed, very lucky to have the support of my parents and others around me that support me and uh, keep me level-headed and just always keep me motivated. Um, things on social media have never. Affected me. It has never made me think less of myself. It has never made me doubt myself uh, Those are people's opinions at the end of the day. Everyone's not gonna think you're good Everyone's not gonna think you bad. So people's opinions have never affected me I've never tried to change anyone's opinion. All I could do is keep being me and keep working and just keep trying to get better every day
0: I know um, and one last thing I want to touch on before you know you kind of get out of here is just um Going to Fayetteville, uh, playing at that next level in the SEC, year one, what are some of the goals you have for yourself individually and for your team?
3: Um, individually, I haven't really thought about any goals individually other than just, you know, doing whatever coach asks, me, asks of me to do and just really just getting out there working and just building a relationship with my teammates to a point where they can trust me when I got the ball in my hands. Team wise, I feel first um, win the SEC tournament, then make the NCAA tournament, and then win a national championship.
0: I mean, they were they were on pace to make the NCAA this year. They would have been in the NCAA if it didn't get canceled. So, I mean, that's not a yeah. far yeah. off goal.
1: And and you know those goals are you know they y'all've got the firepower to do it. I mean, y'all are y'all gonna be able to score in a lot of different ways and, uh, no pressure coach neighbors, you know, and to to make sure everybody is, is on the same page and clicking at the right time. So, uh, I know it's been a pleasure for me to be around you every day for two years and, and see your example and your work ethic. Um, you know, I think you've instilled so much in our young kids, um, that you're, you're the effect that you've had on this program is going to last for a long time. And, uh, Looking forward to getting up there and watching you. Looking forward to you coming back. You know, we still got to get our rings, you know, getting, looking forward to that. And, um, you know, whenever you get a chance to come back, you know, heck, you know how to get in the gym. Uh, you're in here more than anybody. So, um, you know, and just, I I just, we just want you to know that it's been a, it's been a pleasure watching you work and the way you compete and the way. That you've grown for the last two years, and and I just see you continuing on that trajectory where you're gonna you're gonna realize your dream come that 2024 draft. Me and Kate will be there doing a podcast and have you on <laughs> after you're the number one pick. Yeah,
3: thank you. It's been great being around you. I'm very grateful for you.
0: Nobody nobody kept me busier doing graphics and it's whatever. No, it's not. No, it's not a bad thing. I'm just I'm just saying nobody kept me busier. Nobody. <laughs> felt like every day. But, hey, I, I'm. if it doesn't happen next year, I'm going to miss that. So. I
1: know, right? No yeah. no pressure, Briley. I can yeah, no Tyler. pressure. No pressure.
0: <laughs> no, and, and before you get out here, because we haven't really talked about it, but, you know, it, heck, you may not even be here when we get the rings, but, you know, when we get the rings and when they finally put it up on the banner out there that you're state champions, because um, obviously you didn't get that running off the floor moment in Hot Springs. But when you finally get that moment, what's that gonna mean to you to know that you know your lasting touch your legacy at Nettleton is that you deliver the program their first state championship ever in girls basketball?
3: It's just a blessing honestly um it was a dream come true you know I'd spend nights just thinking of that feeling just taking it game by game and um teammates were bought in and it was just it was a great feeling that's what it'd be so when I put my ring on I might not take it off for a week.
0: (laughs) Well Alana thanks for coming on Uh, you know I speak for Coach Livingston and everyone it's been a pleasure to uh, you know cover you and be around you for the next few years or the last couple of years and uh, we'll all be uh, Lady Razorback fans the next four years you're there.
3: Thank you I appreciate y'all.
0: Alana Eaton coming on we'll be back after this. All right, that's that's it for us today. Thanks to uh, Brandon Love, Alana Eaton for hopping on. Hopefully, you enjoyed those interviews. Uh, obviously, like we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, you know that's kind of what we had in mind when we started this up was that we wanted to kind of interview different people from throughout the sports world, be it in basketball, football, other sports. So, uh, thanks to those two for hopping on and being our first interviews of the show, and uh, obviously. Uh, you know, we talked about it, we might have an earlier show next week, but uh, hopefully it'll be just as good as today.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to, our our future guests have a lot of pressure. I, I don't know if you can get us, Yeah. You know, we had two great interviews and, uh, you know, it's been, I think it's been a good start to our Undraftables podcast and something that we probably hoped would go on for at least three weeks and here we are in week three and it <laughs> looks like we're we going to have it. week four and, you know, I don't know, Uh but, no, it, it's been fun. Um, I appreciate our guests. And, you know, hey, if you've got, you know, suggestions of who we need on the show, hey, hit us up on Twitter. Um, eventually we're going to have to create maybe our own show's, yeah, you know, social hopefully. media account. and um, But, uh, you know, we we talked about some ideas of who we might have on, you know, sometime. And hopefully next week on, you know, at some point we'll have an uh, assistant coach at University of Minnesota, Carly Tebow. Um, and her get to talk about her basketball background and, and family. And then, you know, being there in Minneapolis during this, uh, during the, all this stuff that's going on with the protests and, yep. and all that. So looking forward to that. Yep. Looking forward to
0: that. Looking uh, forward to the uh, next few weeks of the show. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed uh, today. So, For Caleb Livingston, I'm Cade Carlton. Uh, Like we mentioned, uh, probably an earlier show uh, next week, probably have it out on Monday. But as always, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next Monday.